I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. I grew up the other part of my life in uh, in the Texas Panhandle, out uh, where, where there are very appropriately named towns. You've got Brownfield, Shallow Water, Seymour, <laughs> Plain View. Yeah, that's uh, that's um, that's West Texas. It, it is uh, part of a, a geological formation called the, the out there is called the Caprock. It's this giant mesa that covers. Uh, probably a quarter of the of the Texas Panhandle, just massive. Uh, and out there, you can see a long way. And the joke is that, uh, yeah, it's Tornado Alley, but you don't really have to worry about it because you see them coming for like three weeks, right? <laughs> you can see you can see the next town over, even though it's fifty miles away. It's not really a big deal. It's just right there. Uh, and sometimes. Uh, life feels that way. You you see the tornado coming for three weeks, and uh, that's been our that's been our life. Uh, my wife and I and our our many children. Uh, you know, we've we've had this move coming up. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago and last week, and this transition that's impending. Uh, we've been out in Colorado Springs visiting family for uh, for about a month and a half, and uh, and then we were coming back to uh, Oklahoma briefly for the ordination. We saw that last week. Uh, got some great interviews on Instagram, Instagram interviews with some of my uh, dear favorite priests out of the Tulsa Diocese. You can get to those by going to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking on the blog, uh, and there's a, there's a blog entitled Apostolic Succession on display. And I went through and interviewed several priests, uh, a couple of lay people, a deacon, uh, and my own favorite dear, Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God. Uh, she is just uh, formerly Rosalind Moss, grew up in, in uh, uh, the Bronx as an Orthodox Jew, converted to Christianity into an uh, evangelical kind of a world, uh, and then set out to save all of us Catholics. She then became a Catholic, was a chief apologist for Catholic Answers. And then, then she decided that wasn't enough. She became a nun, and now she's a mother superior of the daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. Great, great order. They're doing great work uh, to strengthen the family. Uh, and so uh, I encourage you to go take a look at their website, maryofisraelshope.org. Uh, but I got, got an uh, interview with her. Of course, Instagram gives you 60-second interviews or, or video capability, and so hers, hers spans four uh, because Mother Miriam is known for many things, but brevity is not one of them. Uh, so you can catch those those videos right over there. And so we went to... we. we Went from Colorado to Oklahoma. We went from Oklahoma to the Dallas area. We were in Dallas very briefly before we got on a plane uh, with all of our kids, yes, uh, to to Portland. We went from Portland. We drove up to Seattle for Kristen's dad's internment. Uh, and uh, we, we buried him there. That's one of the corporal acts of mercy is to bury the dead. Uh, we, we prayed some prayers there with the family. We drove back down to Portland. We got back on a plane really late at night uh, at, or early in the morning, depending on the way you look at it. Uh, and then we flew back to Texas. Now we are uh, here ever so briefly uh, before we drive 
to Kentucky. And, and, you know, this has been coming. We've been talking about it for a few weeks, but it's just like this slow motion train wreck. It's like, how in the world? First of all, how are we going to get everything packed in time to get into the moving truck to go out to uh, beautiful Lexington, Kentucky, land of my birth? Uh, First of all, how are we going to get it all done in time? That's that's problem number one. (laughs) Problem number two, how are we going to fit all of this stuff into a 26-foot Penske. How is this going to happen? Uh, you, you wait. I'm going to put some pictures up on Instagram once we do it. And I'll say, look, we actually, this is how much we got in the truck. This is what we had to leave behind. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to work out. And uh, this is kind of what it's like following God sometimes. Uh, we, have, uh, we have been abandoned to the will of God for the whole of our marriage uh, and, and a little bit longer than that for me. And it's always, my dear friends, it's always an adventure. And I'll tell you that in all of these times that we have had unexpected moves, uh, at the same time, we've always had unexpected provision. And uh, I'll probably do a show just about that at some point in time, but just the way that God provides for us uh, is amazing. And sometimes... You know, this is not a, a, um, a, a prosperity gospel because sometimes uh, his provision really hurts, right? Sometimes it's not an easy process. Sometimes the things we have to leave behind, uh, they, they, they mark us. And yet, when you, get, when you get past it and you look back on it, you're like, okay, I can see how I have grown. I can see how I am richer. I can see how I am better for having left those things. I can see how that, that momentary affliction was for a much greater purpose, not because uh, God willed my pain, but rather through that pain that I experienced anyway, God brought about something that was worthwhile. And so uh, we're in the midst of that right now. Uh, Even as we speak, we've got just a little bit of time before we pack up that Penske and head out on the road to Kentucky, driving down I-65 through those old Kentucky hills. I wrote wrote a song about this uh, ages ago, back when I was still uh, playing around with my, with my guitar in my, in my former life. And uh, I need to pull it back out because there was this, just this whole this uh, phrase, this uh, Turner phrase, it was a really interesting rhyme structure, which uh, is neither here nor there, but it's, it's um, in my heart, I begin to feel like a modern day Abraham because I left the things I know. Being led by a quiet voice, and though I don't know where I go, I'm moving towards a promised end. And really, that's sometimes what life is like. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had that prayer from Thomas Merton, And he says, uh, I know that you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. And uh, sometimes, sometimes that's what life is like. So uh, what does that leave us with right now? Well, that leaves us with just a couple of minutes left before we go to our interview. Now, I told you uh, we're doing things a little bit differently. Uh, We're not doing live shows right now because of all of this travel. So I'm actually recording this. Uh, this time, a little bit early, uh, so that I can be on a plane at an ungodly hour uh, while you're going to be, I'll probably be resting while you're listening to this to recuperate from that trip. But 
we, a couple of weeks ago, were out at the Augustan Institute out in Denver, Colorado, and had a great interview with uh, Dr. Edward Shree. If you missed that, you can catch that on our archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com. But while we were there, uh, we got to sit down with friend, colleague, fellow Breadbox Media show host, Andrew Whaley. Uh, he hosts a show daily called The Counterposition on Breadbox Media. And we got to sit down with him and talk about all kinds of things. We talked about coffee. We talked about uh, building community and earning the right to be heard. Uh, and we're going to play that interview here in just a moment as we get to our second and third segments. Uh, and I, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think that you will too. So I, I want you to, to stick around, and it, you know, it's not too late to uh, hop onto Facebook and say, hey, people, you need to tune in right now to hear this amazing interview with the one, the only, Andrew Whaley. So that's coming up in just a minute. Uh, and then I, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Uh, I, I want to ask you to go to the iTunes store and to go to the Google Play store. Now, you, many of you have already subscribed, and I can't tell you how grateful I am for those of you who listen week in and week out to this show, I, I, some of you have already, right now, you've already gone and you've subscribed. But I was on, uh, I was on the the iTunes store the other day, and I realized no one has yet reviewed this show for the podcast. Now that probably means that you are listening uh, live, and I really appreciate that because that's that's the best thing ever. Uh, but for those of you who are podcasters, or even, frankly, even if you listen live, you can still go to the iTunes store or the Google Play store and go in and put a review in. Tell people why you like this show and why should you do that? What, what, what do you get out of it? Well, uh, you get the satisfaction of knowing that you have put up a review that will help someone else make the decision to listen to this show. But really what it does is it gives us uh, better metrics when people are searching on iTunes for, for shows that they may want to see or may want to hear. Uh, the, the reviewed shows are the ones that are going to show up first. And so it would be a great help uh, if you would go on and, uh, and write a review. And I, what we'll do, we'll do a giveaway. I will do a giveaway uh, at the end of August. I'm going to push this for a while. At the end of August, uh, we're going to take all of those people who have done a review. Uh, doesn't have if you if you don't like the show and you want to give it a one star. Well, what are you doing listening? Uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a stipulation on what kind of rating you need to give me. But anybody who leaves a review, a positive review, preferably uh, for the show there on the iTunes or Google Play Store, I'm going to enter you into a drawing. Uh, for a book, and I will figure out what that book is here in a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll do a poll on social media from the books that I have. See which one y'all want most, uh, and uh, so that's all you got to do. Go fill out a a review for this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. We'll be back in just a moment. We're going to talk with Andrew Whaley uh, of the Breadbox host of the Counter Position about coffee, about life about community, and much, much more. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. Oh, got a great show for you today. Uh, we are, where are we, Andrew? We are in a center of the new evangelization, hidden somewhere in the Rockies, not unlike NORAD. So I've been in Colorado for a while. We've been uh, recording from the, the glorious base of Pikes Peak. Now we are further up the road, uh, coming to you from the Augustine Institute. If you listened a couple of weeks ago, you heard a great interview with Dr. Edward Tree. If you missed it, well, good news. We've got archives. You can go to OutsideTheWalls.com, go to the archive section, and find it. Good stuff there. Today, we're talking with one of my Breadbox Media compatriots, uh, doing her favorite thing, drinking coffee. Hey, man, brother. <laughs> I saw this meme the other day. Oh, by the way, we're speaking with Andrew Whaley. He's got a daily show called The Counter Position. Uh, hey. If you only listen on the weekends, you are missing out. Absolutely. And if you're a friend of the show, uh, if you're not a friend of the show, you're missing out because we just recorded a fantastic video. It was scintillating. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, that's going to be uh, available for all my friends of the show it, and all of Andrew's friends of the show. If you want to know how to do that, it's really easy. You go to breadboxmedia.com. Down there at the bottom, it says friends of the show, become a friend of the show. Uh, and for $10 a month, that's, it, that's all it takes, uh, you can help us do what we do and get quality extra content. Now, of course, if you're, if you're uh, listening to Andrew, you want to be his friend of the show, but right now you're listening to my show. And so right. when you fill in your information, you're going to scroll down until you see my name, Timothy Putnam. And you're going to pass his name up and go to the counter <laughs> position with Andrew. <laughs> and we will you support us both. Yeah. Once, you know, $10 a month, you get exclusive content, just like this video that we are proud to present. Uh, and then also, also, I've got giveaways that I'm going to give away of uh, various books from various publishers, but I can't compete with Andrew because he's here right in the middle of the new evangelization buried in the, in the Rockies. <laughs> Not I'm, unlike Nora. Not unlike Nora. That's what I always say on my show. You've got so many, uh, so many great people just right within arm's reach. You're like, you hey, know, you want a coffee? No, no, you, I'm not giving it to you until you were You know what's funny? I have only interviewed here. I've interviewed Paul McCusker. And I've interviewed um, Chris Stefanik okay. a couple times. That's it. And Chris, I, Chris I don't think, here, I, is he? quite honestly, I don't think anyone in this uh, building understands who I am or what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't think, I'm just the guy that makes the coffee. They, yeah. You are facilitating life. I saw this meme the other day on Facebook. And it had pictures of various coffees, and it says, people who say that it's too hot for coffee right. do not understand coffee and should not be trusted. Absolutely. Or they don't know about cold brew. Just make a cold brew. It's easy. You know, I, I tried something here last time I was up in, in the Denver area. You, you have this, this special mm -hmm. of, uh, a, a, is it a mocha with rosemary? No. The, oh, here at the shop? Yeah. It was a dark brown sugar and rosemary cafe latte. Yeah, I didn't like it. You didn't like it? The, the, it's like I want my stuff either to be savory or sweet. Yeah, it's but, a weird drink. But yeah. not both. Yeah, it's 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 a dark brown simple. It's a dark brown sugar simple syrup infused with fresh rosemary, and I I, I am not a big flavor coffee guy. I don't right. like to put flavoring in coffee, and this is kind of its own thing. It's really delicious. I think it's delicious, but you have to kind of be down for the sweet and savory thing, mm -hmm. which is kind of a thing, you know. You know now. My my general drink. I, people say, "What do you want in your coffee?" I say, "I say my lips." Exactly. Right. I'm a, I no. I am a craft black coffee guy. That yeah, is. So I'm drinking a beautiful Guatemalan from uh, Commonwealth Coffee right now. Okay. Straight up black. Yeah. My, you know, my experience, I, I generally tend this, listen, people, coffee is really important. 
We're going to talk about community here in a bit because that's also really important. Those two things go hand in hand. But uh, bear with me because this is we're talking we're talking shop. So my general coffee, uh, I like the the African coffees. They tend, yeah, tend, sure. tend to be a little bit rounder. And talking about the sweet and savory, they tend towards the sweet rather than the savory. I found. Uh, the South American coffees, Central American coffees, to me, have that savory flavor, kind of like vegetable beef soup. Well, it depends on w- what quality of coffee you're buying and wh- how, what the processing is. I mean, this is a this is a Guatemalan, so this mm-hmm. is Central America, and this is super sweet and okay. really juicy. It's it's not savory at all. Well, I might try that. In this and way. you can get some African co- African coffees. Will get a little gamey. Depending on which one we're talking about. I mean, I am a giant. I think that for the most part, if I had to pick, you know, some microclimate Ethiopian would probably be my desert island coffee. So what what I do now that you mentioned that I do uh, either uh, Ethiopian Yurgashev or Sadamo. Those, yeah. are, those are my two go-tos. Now, see, if I'm, I mean, I love, I love, I love the Yurgashev. It's, it's a, it kind of has that lemongrass thing quite yep. a bit. And, um, I'm a big fan of the. I love Sadamos a lot. I, I I'm a big fan of Harar. Really? Yeah, I love that. Sadamos can do it too, but Harar will have that real deep blue fruit kind of that blueberry thing, that blueberry chocolate kind mm-hmm. of a like chocolate blueberry cobbler kind yeah. of a thing, which I think is just delicious. But then if I mean, when you're talking about African and like for African and savor, we have a Rwandan right now that is. Mm-hmm. Got a couple savory notes in it, but boy, it is just beautiful coffee. And and Kenyas are kind of the they're kind of the Cabernet Sauvignon. They're kind of they're the dark, dry current, right? You know, with a little gaminess. I I just think African coffee across the well, it's where it's from. I mean, it's, now, and since we since this show is about exploring the the implications of faith, right? Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, if you're drinking Folgers, uh, you've got extra purgatory. That's I mean, it is the F word. <laughs> Folgers. So I'm, Folgers. Oh, I, I, suffice to say. Can that, you say that on radio? Suffice to say that's one of the words the Knights of Calix cannot say. <laughs> so I uh, shall say Folgers at you again. Th- there's a, there is a, uh, a story, a legend. Uh, I think that it's true. Uh, I think one of the Benedicts, one of the Pope Benedicts, and the people were bringing him, uh, some of his cardinals were bringing him uh, coffee and asking him to ban it because it was what the Muslims. Oh no, it's Pope Saint Clement. It's Pope Saint Clement, uh, and they're they're bringing him this coffee. They want he they want him to ban it for all Christians because the Muslims drink this because they don't like wine. They don't do alcohol, and that's wine is is indicative of Christ because he gave it to us in communion, and this is the devil's drink. And so right. he, being a wise person, said, "I I want to examine this and try it before I ban it for everyone." And he ended up saying. Why this devil's drink is so delicious, it would be a shame to let the pagans have exclusive use of it. We shall cheat Satan by baptizing it. Yeah. He said that this drink is too good for infidels. Yeah. This is truly a Christian drink. And no one Patris Aphilius just like bad christened it. There's a papal bull. Yeah. There's an actual papal bull. Is there really? I don't know if you can actually find it anymore, but it's been made reference to at some point. There was a papal bull declaring that coffee could be consumed in Christian nations, that it was a Christian drink. Yeah. So if, you, uh, if you're like me and you have to have your coffee in the morning, uh, say a quick prayer uh, of gratitude and thanksgiving to St. Pope Clement. <laughs> hey, hey, man, I'm telling uh, you. 
It's, and, and then what's what's more funny is that there's a there's the patron saint of coffee, really, who and he's the patron saint of coffee house owners, coffee house owners, which is funny because he's also the patron saint of ugly people. <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> Coincidence? I don't, I don't think so. But it's Saint Drogo. Yeah, I guess I don't know why. Maybe because if you're a coffee house owner, you're you're kind of stuck there all the time, mm. and he spent the last of his life kind of walled into a cell, and people would come to him. But I think it's because people know. would come to him. It's like you've got the lines just like at the coffee shop. Yeah. So, well, it's funny. I often tell, I, I've, I've used to tease Father Riley that was our chaplain here and ask him if he could just deputize me so that I could give absolution because people will come in and give you their confession when you're behind mm-hmm. a bar. It doesn't matter if your alcohol is being served or not. If you're a bartender, whether you're serving coffee or booze right. or whatever, people will just give you their confession. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. You, you could, you could, um, uh, Go back, go to seminary, and become a Franciscan, and can keep doing it. Yeah, we, just a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Franciscans who hang out at the mall. So yeah, that's a uh, that's a long story. <laughs> hang out at the coffee. I bet. I bet. So and we and we only have one more twelve minute segment after this. So that that one's probably not going to get hit. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we'll do that one for the uh, <laughs> for the for, friends for, of, for the friends. Uh, that one's the hundred dollar level. A hundred dollar level, you get Andrew's <laughs> long, long vocation story. Yeah. Oh my gracious. So we're talking, of course, with, if you've missed it, we're talking with Andrew Whaley about the truly important things in life, coffee. Exactly. Uh, if you stick around through the next segment, we'll talk about the next most important thing in life, and that's community. Right. And how you have been fostering that through not only this coffee shop, which you're running here at the Augustine Institute, yeah. Tol- Tola Lege, Take Up and Read, mm-hmm. which uh, shouldn't it be Take Up and Drink? Well, the idea was going to be, I thought I thought it was I thought that the I thought it was totally at Lege was the quote because right. they translated take and read so right. often, but it's actually two single word imperative sentences in Latin tole, take drink. Right. They translate it take up and read or take and read take read, and um, so and actually that yeah so I th- I was gonna call it tole, tole coffee bar, and Lege books. Oh. And the space was going to be totally at Lege, ah, but it turns out it didn't work out that way. Yeah, so. no. Actually, I wanted to call it Hippo Coffee Bar for Augustine of Hippo. Oh, there you go. Hippo right? Coffee. Drink and you big, are wearing- Drink big, think big. <laughs> yeah, they didn't like it. Though. They didn't know. Okay, well, you know, so we, we've got uh, we've got Take and Read. We've got this coffee shop you're running here. Yeah. We also have uh, Calix Coffee. Uh, or Calix coffee. Calix, yeah. Calix, which... Uh, I guess it's, it, it would be pronounced Calix, but I don't say it that way. It's Calix is the way I say it. It's, all right. It means chalice or cup in Latin. And, and it's, a, it's a, an institution and a, a consulting firm that helps other people create community with their yeah. local coffee shops. It's kind of a... It's a consulting apostolate. It's about to be split into two. I'm okay. about to file a 501c3 and start working as a true apostolate with Calix, and then I want to split my design consultancy off. So I design into an LLC. Yeah. I, design, I design and build coffee houses for people. My niche primarily is the Catholic world. Okay. Well, we got much more right after the break. We're talking with Andrew uh, Whaley. He is the, uh, the, the founder of Calix Coffee. He runs a coffee shop here at the, the Augustine Institute and has a daily show on Breadbox Media, The Counter Position. Much more to come. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And tell me what your favorite roast of coffee is. These are important things. And there's more to come right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. I didn't scare you away yet. Yeah, today's show is a little different. It's different when you interview a friend than it is when you interview someone that you just really want to get information out of, right? Because there's only so much you can do when you're talking with, uh, for instance, Peter Kreeft. Uh, that was a very that was a very difficult interview because I'm trying to figure out he he's so concise in what he has to say so it's right. like you ask this really involved question and he's like yes. <laughs> Craves a good time. Oh, it was an excellent show. I, I just fascinated by the book we were talking about. His book, How to Be Holy, oh, okay. uh, which is his he calls it a festooning of divine uh, the uh, abandonment to divine providence. Uh, but, you know, when you're talking with someone who you don't really know a whole lot about them, you're just trying to dig out anything you can get, and then you sit down with someone who's like, oh, coffee? Let's talk about coffee for a whole segment. Now, I, I would love to interview Peter Crave because yeah. he, um, a friend of mine, Trent Doherty, uh, shout out to Trent Doherty, he teaches down at um, uh, Baylor, and he's kind of an international, like, famous scholar in that philosophy, that epistemology of religion world. Mm-hmm. And um, he when he was first starting to convert or explore Catholicism, he was an undergrad and he wrote to Craved. Oh yeah. And Craved wrote him back and said, uh, Mr. Doherty, I see that you are a, an intelligent young man and you are, you, and you are desired, deeply desired truth. I have no doubt you will become a Catholic. <laughs> and it made Trim kind of mad, but in the long run, it was true. And he appreciated it afterwards. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's that whole thing of, I'm going to give you something just incredibly concise. And for an interview, that's really hard. You, you're like, please elaborate so I can think of my next question. Right, yeah. It's like, you can't just chat with them about what you're drinking, you know. So let's talk a little bit, not about what you're drinking, but about what you're doing okay. uh, with, with Calix Coffee. Okay. And uh, more, more to the point, less with the consultancy and more with the fostering of community yeah. uh, through a very tangible means. You know, we think of, uh, well... Of course, you've got to have Sunday school and, and you've got to have book studies. And, but you're looking at something uh, as the something to facilitate the community that then those other things that we try to use will flow out of. Absolutely. Rather yeah. than trying to create these things maybe that uh, that are generally the result of good community and not the fostering of good community. Yeah. So w- w- when you're looking at uh, creating a space to foster community, what's the first thing you look at? Uh, well, I mean, location for one, I mean, not, I mean, that's true. They said for business location, 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 but I mean, we're, we're doing some of the same things that you would do for profit. Some things we're doing differently than what you would do for profit. Mm -hmm. So the, where is the space? Is there, well, let's back up one. What I'm trying to do and the the reason you would kind of be careful about where you put the space at is we're trying to reach people who are completely unchurched or kind of de-churched as I say that would never walk into a church, mm-hmm. right? And you're trying to create a space where they can live in community. It's like, you know, evangelization, properly speaking, it, not because I defined it, because our Lord set this up right. this way, is that it should take in place in relationship and community. Right. Right? And so... You, you, let's see, even before uh, Christ defined it, when he calls his apostles and, mm-hmm. and uh, Andrew goes and gets Philip... Mm-hmm. Right and brings them to Jesus, and and it's through those relational contexts. Absolutely. And let's bring coffee into it for a moment. You drink a coffee mm-hmm. that you really like, and what do you do? 
you share it. Right. With with who? Oh, I'm going to go stand out on the street corner and say, Ethiopian Yurgashev. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't just stand out there like handing out Jack Chick tracks about Ethiopian. You know? It's <laughs> like, you know, you, you, you the share. Death, the death bean. The death bean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why is Mary crying? Uh, I hate those things. Because, so because she had Sanka. Exactly. Right. She had, she had Dika. Someone gave her Dika. Um, so now the, the thing is, is that you, we have two big projects going on in America and one of them we like to talk about a lot and the other one we don't know how to do so we never talk about it. So mm-hmm. we recently had a de- demographic change where there is now 51 million Roman Catholics in America and 56 million people who answer none when asked right. what their religion is. So if you believe, uh, you know, Sherry Waddell forming intentional disciples and that kind of world, there are now five to six percent mm-hmm. of people that are Catholics are like full on in in the pew for the sake of a relationship with Christ through the sacrament. Like they're intentional disciples, right? Right. So other 49 million. When you help these two million reach these 49 million, that's called roughly the new evangelization. Right. 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 And we have a context for that. It's called the parish. But this same 2 million people are the only one that's going to try to reach this 56 million. Mm-hmm. But remember, in relationship and community. So where can a fully Christ-driven, intentional disciple be in daily community with a 26-year-old woman who's a graphic designer who has disposable income, who does not need the corporal acts of mercy, but who has a coat hanger tattooed on her arm because she thinks abortion saved her life when she got knocked up at 14? Mm-hmm. Where are we going to be in daily community with her where we can earn the right to be heard? And by what means will we earn the right to be heard? Let's talk about that earn the right to be heard because that's something I think we miss all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we say, oh, well, the, the spiritual acts of mercy is instructing the ignorant. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to instruct them by golly. Uh, and something that was told to me when I was much younger is that rebuke without relationship breeds rebellion. That's absolutely true. So you, talk, talk about this this earning that right. Well, you have to. So the way that we do it, I mean, you can do it different ways. I mean, look, look good example. Um, Mother Teresa shows up at the Clinton prayer breakfast, rails against the culture of death and abortion. Right. Everybody but the Clinton stands up and applauds. There's no lesbians with signs. No one is protesting. Why? Because she's Mother Teresa. That's why. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Hitchens or some idiot, she's earned the right to be heard. You cannot argue with the holiness of her life, right? So social right. justice and, and, and that kind of holiness can earn you the right to be heard, right? Mm-hmm. What we're doing is through, I firmly b- agree with people like Robert Barron and all the way back to Hans von Balthasar that we have to lead with the beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we have to intrigue people. And so people go, oh, is that, the, is that a new coffee house? Oh, and they come in. And they go, oh, wow, check it out. And it's beautiful. And we say with architecture, with design, they love the beautiful. These venture people love to be. They love it in the form of artists and craft Mm -hmm. and design and architecture and all that. They love the good. They don't love the sexual good, but we're all focused on that all the time. They love justice more than most Catholics I know. Yeah, They're more concerned about whether or not we buy cheap coffee from Costco they buy artisan coffee because and, and you're, the coffee that the Catholics are buying because it's cheap is b- being built on the backs of the poor. I was about to say, what do you mean we, Kimosabi? Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, there's... Yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is that... So through justice, through beauty, through um, craft, through hospitality, over time, they go from, hey, this is a cool place. This is really beautiful, to... 
wow, I really like what you guys are doing here too. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, re- I really, res- you guys, I really respect you guys for doing something like this To You're someone I respect. You're a person of substance. And if you spoke about something, you, I, w- I would listen. Right. right. And that is the moment when naturally something could come up. The opposite is you see these Christian coffee houses from the 80s and 90s and stuff where it's like, hi, welcome to Jesus Java. Can I <laughs> can I get you a can I get can I get you a cappuccino? Hey, you know it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I mean, it's a, you haven't even got a cup of coffee, they're already quoting scripture. At you. What I what I think is awesome is that they, they're giving you a, a cup of coffee named after Franciscans. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm an evangelical. Can I get you a cappuccino? It's like, where? Who's that? <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> Capuchins, you know. Oh, I mean, can we get you a uh, a frothy milk coffee? <laughs> it's like we don't want to give any honor to those yeah. offshoot Franciscans. You, you know, it's just as we're talking about funny names, you ought to have uh, uh, latte. Have I loved you? Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an Augustine thing, folks. Yeah, the 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 the, 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 the I, someone gave me a, a shirt that is a mashup of Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Starbucks logo, and it says, <laughs> I love her a latte. Oh, wow. I smiled and nodded and took it. But yeah, I, can't, I actually, I'm a, I love puns, and I can't stand the whole like coffee pun thing because that was kind of very much a, a thing. I think there's like six, there, out of all the Christian or Catholic or any kind of that kind of coffee houses on planet Earth, I think. 85% of them are named higher grounds or sacred grounds. Yeah. It's like, or it, common grounds. Or, or common grounds. Yeah, it's like, oh, stop it. Yeah. Now, here's, we, we don't have a lot of time left, but th- this is uh, something that I think is kind of essential, is to be, uh, to be overt about our faith. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you don't have to be sneaking around and being all secretive. Oh, well, I'm a Catholic. Don't tell anyone. You know, I, I, when I sit down in the barber's chair, I talk about uh, either my radio show. I talk about the fact I've got six kids. Um, mm-hmm. My wife has an NFP business. Sometimes I talk about that, but but I do it in the context of also saying, "Tell me about your family and talk." To, you know, because you're stuck there in the chair anyway. Right. Uh, be, don't hide those things that are real, but also remember the audience to which you're speaking. Absolutely, yeah. And and and, and also, you don't you have to let go of the guilt. Mm-hmm. that says, oh, I have to somehow non-organically work my faith into this conversation because you have to trust that, A, the Holy Spirit's at work, and maybe you just have to till the ground a little bit. Our right. entire apostolate is really built around just tilling the ground. Well, I think part of that is coming, you know, being Catholic different than when I was an evangelical. It's right. coming into the conversation with no expectation that by the end of this conversation, like a Silver Spoons episode, they're going to have all their problems fixed. Right. But you, you just, you start the conversation. <laughs> Silver Spoons episode. That's a great reference. <laughs> you just, you leave it open. You, you have a conversation. There's no rush to, you have to pray the prayer right now. It's about building that community over a period of time. It's funny you... Oh. Well, that's all the time we have for right now. We'll probably uh, do another friend of the show to get that last thought of yours. If you want to know more of what Andrew Whaley thinks, you can hear him daily on Breadbox Media on the counter position uh, or become a friend of the show and watch our fun videos, right? Well, we'll be right back after this to continue our conversation, take a look into church history and see what we can't find. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So if you're not driving, if you're in a safe place, I want you to go over, pull out your smartphone, pull out whatever it is that you use. If you've got a laptop, if you're near your computer, go to social media. You're not fooling anyone. I know that you have Facebook on your phone and you're probably on it pretty constantly. If you've not yet liked the page uh, on Facebook, uh, or if you're on Twitter, or now we're also on Instagram. So now you have no excuse, right? Uh, the On Facebook and, tw- and Instagram, the handle is Step Outside the Walls. So facebook.com slash step outside the walls, instagram.com slash step outside the walls. If you are on Twitter, you've got less to remember. You only have at Outside the Walls. That's our handle there. And uh, I want to know what you're up to. I want to hear from you. I want to, what what do you take away from today's show? Um, Maybe maybe you have a a story of a time that you interacted with someone that you would like to to bring up and talk about. Maybe you just have a, a coffee that you really love, uh, your favorite coffee, and you think that um, both Andrew and I are, are uh, uneducated plebes and need to be informed. By all means, I am always on the lookout for good coffee. Why don't you come over to social media and tell me about that? Uh, really, social media, you can tell me anything you want, uh, and I'll just be glad that you're there. So why don't you come over and, uh, and share a picture, retweet, whatever you want to do, come talk to us uh, there. Now, uh, I want to read to you, and uh, I, I think that, that it ties in to what we're talking about today. Today, uh, the, the reading, we're not going to do the gospel today. We're going to do that first reading uh, out of the book of Isaiah. And this is just a fabulous, fabulous reading. Uh, it's when Isaiah realizes that he's Fubar. <laughs> it's when Isaiah sees the manifest presence of God and, and his immediate reaction to it. And uh, he, he, he gives us a context and a time frame, just like uh, the, the people of, of that time would do, to give us uh, its place in history. And he says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, well, he's only going to do it once, so now we know when it is, right? Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, seated on a high and lofty throne with a train of his garment filling the temple. Seraphim were stationed above. Each of them had six wings. With two, they veiled their faces. With two, they veiled their feet. And with two, they hovered aloft. They cried to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of that cry, the frame of the door shook. And the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, I am doomed. He probably said, Woe is me, I am doomed. We always read scripture if it's a Victorian guy. Woe is me, I am doomed. No, he's probably freaking out here. Woe is me, I am doomed. For I'm a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, holding an ember that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, See, now that this has touched your lips, 
your wickedness is removed, your sin purged. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here I am, I said. Send me. That reading comes from the book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Now, let's, let's take a look at this for just a moment. Let's be rational for a moment, because we read this, and you, you've probably heard it before, and it's uh, either the guy's tripping, or there really is the, the manifest presence of God being revealed to him in a mystical way, in a vision. Uh, something was going on here. That's different. Uh, but we read it so sterile, right? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, right? Uh, and we're missing something very important here. Uh, he, he says, woe is me, I am doomed. And we say that with just such a flat voice. Woe is me, I am doomed. If you were going to say, woe is me, I am doomed, probably... I mean, if you were to use that vocabulary, probably you would be a little bit more distraught in your delivery, right? So let's look at that and realize that here is someone who is seeing the presence of God and does not have the tools to comprehend it and is pretty much uh, acting like someone that you may or may not have seen from Woodstock on a really bad trip, right? Uh, woe is me, I'm doomed. He's not having a good day uh, because he knows that you cannot see, because he's, he's, a, he's a, a scholar of Scripture, right? He was raised knowing the Scriptures, and he knows because of the story with Moses that you cannot see God and live, and so he knows that he's about to die uh, because he is a man of unclean lips uh, from a people of unclean lips, uh, and he has seen God. Well, now, then we have this whole thing, the angel flies to him, because that's not freaky enough, right? With a burning hot coal and touches his lips with this burning hot coal, and we just kind of treat it like, oh, that's no big deal. Okay, he's obviously talking and not, you know, flailing about, so he didn't get burned too bad. But think about this. Even if we're just talking mystically, the, the picture that we are given uh, of, of purification is one of intense burning, right? You would, uh, just in the same way that you would uh, sterilize uh, uh, medical instruments with heat, right? There is, there is this intense heat that's associated with him being cleansed to the place where he's able to do the will of God. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about because maybe you've gone through that heat. Maybe you have felt that coal and you thought that it was punishment when what it really is is purification, right? We are purified by that heat so that we can become instruments of God. Uh, There's some other things in there that I really are less important. This is the biggest thing. Isaiah knows that he is not perfect. Isaiah knows that he is messed up, and he comes from a culture that's messed up. And yet, God puts him through purification, probably a painful purification, and then says, uh, who will go for us and whom shall I send? Now, here's Isaiah, 
who's just now gotten uh, his lips uh, touched by a burning hot coal, and he says, "Oh God, you know, I've 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 had a good enough time with you. Uh, why not? I'll do it. <laughs> Here I am. Send me." And this is us. This is you and me. This is what God is asking us to do every day. He is putting us through our paces, right? He is giving us that hot coal. He is purifying us, even though it is a painful purification. And then he says, who shall I send? Who's going to go, as we were talking about with Andrew, who's going to go to the person who thinks that the abortion is what saved their life when they were younger? Who's going to go to the person who has no time for God? Who's going to go to the person who uh, doesn't really even know what this thing is about, right? They're not going to walk up to a mass for the first time and say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to pop in here because this seems like a just a jolly old time. No, Jesus didn't say come up with a great program and everyone's going to show up. He said, you go into all the world and make disciples. We're not supposed to create this great new attractional model or have a a huge screen or have a a perfect sermon series that's going to just pique people's interest and bring them in. That's the attractional model. We're not meant to attract them. We're meant to go out and get them, right? We're meant to go out and have conversations and build relationships and build community and build the kingdom. You know, the only time that Jesus says that he'll draw them in into him is by, by way of the cross. If I am lifted up, and he said this to say how he would die. This isn't like, oh, well, let's sing a really big song about lifting Jesus higher and people will come. No, it's if I am lifted up on the cross, I'll draw them in into me. We have to take that cross into the world. We have to take that cross into the the places where we uh, where we work and where we eat and where we get our hair cut. And we have to have this conversation with people, not in a an aggressive kind of a way, but if we are infused with the faith, if we are infused with the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, then it's going to eke out a little bit, right? It's going to ooze out, not in a, uh, a corny kind of way, but in a very organic way, because it's what's inside of us. And what's inside of us always, always comes out. Uh, I was going to read you this wonderful homily from uh, Blessed uh, Pope Paul IV. I, I don't have time. Uh, we are just right on the edge of this thing. So uh, become a friend of the show. Go and put a review on iTunes. Uh, go to social media, like us, follow us, tweet us, talk to us, uh, us being me uh, and the other people that may be listening. Uh, join the conversation every day, every place, and spread the good news. The good news that there is hope in our lives. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Catholic Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week when we talk with Devin Rose, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Peace.